Hey there, I just want to say very quickly that Chris and I wouldn't feel it was right without acknowledging the passing of a great talent and a great artist in Mr. Sidney Poitier. Sidney, thank you for over 52 great films and for constantly being a gentleman and an inspiration to us all. Welcome to the podcast that discusses storytelling from all angles to help you and us answer the call when the muse screams, tell the damn story. We'll be exploring the challenges of being creative in fiction, illustration, comics, film, and nonfiction. Hey, hey, hey. All right. All right. All hey, right. We got another you? one here. We got another one here. I think this is episode 218, is it? I think it's 218. Yeah, yeah. 218. My 218. Yes, yeah, so it's 218 right now. Yeah. Where's the we 218? We have the managing editor here already. Oh, hey there. Checking to make sure that we do the work. Yeah, I saw you right. just checking out your desk. You know, is, is it messy or something? Yeah. Oh, my God. You don't want to see what's behind <laughs> this camera, bro. Oh, my God. Okay. Does that happen with you? Like, oh, um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Chris I, Ryan, Alex Simmons, in the middle of a project, the, yeah, the work yeah. area gets and, more and, and more. Yeah, and I find myself, you know, a little distracted <laughs> sometimes. And, uh, yeah, know, bro. I, I've, I've got things here. I've got books here. I've. I've, I've I've got you know my hand sanitizer, oh, yeah. and for some but, you know I have a light bulb on my desk. I don't just know in why. case you have an idea, you put it yeah, over right. that. There you uh, go. There you go. <laughs> so okay. So welcome everyone to tell a damn story, and as you can see, we're already making fun of ourselves uh, because before really anyone have, else does. <laughs> in, in a writing career, you have to you have to come with uh, a sense of humor. Um, should I tell the humorous thing that happened? Uh, you well, Just, you you have to, Chris, because right. I mean, I don't want to be right. the only so, one to know about it. Yeah. So a lot of people, um, you know, in in the online writing community, they'll post when they get published or that you know just had a story published, just had a story accepted. Mm -hmm. So you know, as a just wrote an idea on a cocktail author, that's right. right. Yeah. I just as a professional author, yeah. I um, I did this just the other day, and I said. Uh, I was just accepted and paid for my first writing work of 2022. I, and I expected that. a handful of people to say like, okay, you know, but it went, it exploded. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like 200, almost 300 likes or loves or all that sort of stuff. And a ton of congratulation comments and all that stuff. And again, I said it online, but I'll say it to everybody. Thank you very much for all that. Um, one of the things that was really weird and was amusing me, and I was telling Alex, um, there were a lot of people who said, congratulations, can't wait to read the book. <laughs> and they just assumed, one person said, when are you going to move to Alpine, you know, which is a, a town near where I live, where all the very rich and successful people go, celebrities and all that. Um, <laughs> so here's the truth, everybody. <laughs> Not that it's I'm a lie. Really, yeah, I can't tell what it is because, you know, that's one of the processes everything's silent until it's not. Um, but it was, I can't say the form it took, it was an essay. And I can't say how much I was paid. I was paid $30. It was, you know, it's, it's cool. It's a writer's life, bro. Right. It's yeah, yeah, you you yeah. get every assignment you can and, um, and you, uh, you pile up. Hopefully, so, so, you know? so can you, can you move into Alpine now, now that you got no. that 30, those 30 big ones? No, no, I, I can barely afford Alpine cheese. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, well, oh, you're welcome. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm here you boom, boom. yeah, I'm here till Thursday. Be good to your waiters because most of them are writers. Yeah. All right, so. <laughs> but so, I just thought it was really amusing, and I thought I would share. I, you know, I think it's, and and we're gonna we're not gonna get too far afield of what we are gonna be talking about today. Sure. But I think it is funny uh, how certain aspects of social media work, where people tend to think once you post something on social media, it must be the biggest of news. If, you know, if you're posting it, it must be something fantastic. I've actually had people go, oh, you never have any problems. You never have anything bad going. You have no idea what I'm saying. What are you talking about? Well, I see your post on, on Facebook and I say, I don't post my, my personal life, deep personal life on Facebook. I just post random things about what I'm doing that I don't mind the public right. being aware of, you know? Yeah. Oh, you mean you have problems? Yes, like anybody else. I put a, a lot of things up about other people's books or movies or this and that, and I get accused of liking everything. And it's not that I like everything. It's that I had um, adhered to the Kevin Smith rule of if I like it, I'll talk about it. If not, you'll never hear a word from me about it. There you go. What you was, know, what was so. the old phrase? If you, if you have nothing good to say, say nothing at all. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. So. Speaking of saying and talking and, and yes. public acknowledgement and things yes. like that, um, we're going to talk about an aspect of writer's life. You know, many writers, not every writer, but right. many writers find themselves at some point in space and time, either because they're part of a writing group, taking right. a class, or because what they have written has reached the public. And now the public is saying, step forth and read right. a certain amount of it to us in a right. public place. And so yeah. what is it like to do public readings, to right. do readings of your work, and how best to do that so that you give the best possible representation of the work itself? Right. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So stay tuned, because there's some gems here that will be useful to you no matter what dun, the dun, circumstances dun. may be, yeah. including reading aloud to yourself. So, yes, and why that's great on so yeah, many levels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Chris, Chris, my man, yes, you sir. and I both, over the countless years, the many millennials that we have yes, lived, yes. millenniums, millennium, yeah, or at least I have. I know we have not been know. living on millennials. Yeah, thank yes, you. Yes, yes, look yes, forward yes, to your yes, cards yes, and yes. letters. Right. Um, but <laughs> over the years, you know, you and I both have done this at different times in different places. And uh, there are a few memories that we have a few few memories that we feel would be appropriate for public for reading examples examples a of public reading primer ladies and gentlemen yeah, right so would you share one that stands out in um, your mind i'm gonna do the uh, new york comic-con first okay okay, okay. you do that um, i'll have a sip we uh we got or i guess alex really got it but we got a um uh a slot for uh, New York Comic Con. Um, you were going to read a children's book, and I w we were going to myself, Cassine Gaines, and um, Tony Jackson were going to uh, premiere my Margaret Agnes Ferguson series that Tony did the art for, and we were trying to get uh, Cassine in there and everything. I think he may have read from one of his other books, but um, so they gave us this room. And we were like, this is going to be great. New York Comic Con, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get to the room. And to get to the room from the New York Comic Con, you had to maneuver through, negotiate the throngs 
that were attending the New York Comic Con, which was at the Jacob Javits Jacob Center. Javits so Center. Now, Jacob, thousands of people. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge place, and by that time they had two or three floors. So you're thinking mm-hmm. this is going to be so easy, and it was packed, shoulder to shoulder. So when this we was many got, years ago, by the way, yeah. that's right. We that's way before COVID, um, and. We finally got to the room and we realized there's a crowd in there. So we're excited. And then we realized the crowd is there because like us, they feel the Comic-Con is too tight and they needed some place to chill out and just relax. And as a result, they were not there for us. (laughs) They were not an audience for us. You know, there are little kids who are getting fed. I think one was getting changed. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a little kid getting changed. Okay, yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. There were some that were just, they needed to let the kids run around and blow off some steam. Um, Yeah, so, and we had all the little props and stuff to give out. But when it came to reading, (laughs) this was probably worst case scenario. All right, so what do you do? When an audience is not attentive or not there for you, you give the very best reading you can. Don't, there's no, there's no benefit to comment on their behavior mm. or tell them to stop or we'll wait for you. We made a big show. We talked to each other first, you know. Uh, we made a big show of setting the, the art up and having some stuff for kids, you know, to give out copies and all. This. And then we just had to go ahead and do the reading. And, you know, luckily it was just, you know, a children's book. Imagine if it was, you know, 20 pages of, you know, some novel, you know, so I could get through it within about three or four minutes. Um, but those were some long minutes. Yeah, and we and, all did it with a smile on our face. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, afterwards, a few people came up, but not, you well, know. see, and that's that. You do what you do, right? That's a key. That's a key point right there. Is fighting the audience doesn't serve you. It's like being, you know, an irate stand-up comedian, a newbie, in fact, and a club, and you've got hecklers, or you've got people singing and dancing, not singing and dancing, but talking and drinking and laughing and everything while you're doing your shtick. If you're going to fight with them, then you might as well not be there because that's what it turns into. It turns into this fight. And and really what we were able to do is accept that there was a cacophony of, of distractions and noises and that we had to sort of just find our way, deal with it, and play to the people who were noticing right. us, right. who were paying attention. The kids, there were a few kids. Who were, you know, they could see because they were close enough, they could see some of the images or the things on the pages. So we played to the audience that was right. receptive, exactly. wasting exactly. no time with anyone else. And as Chris said, by the end of it, we had entertained a certain body of folk yeah. there. And that we even was got a, good a couple of sales there. Yeah, not many. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, Again, there were a few people, because I do remember, because I was also um, involved in some other things going on in the room. There were a few people who actually came up and said, you know, they complimented us for not turning it into anything negative. Right. Uh, You know, and so, you know, in other words, they became aware of how well we handled the circumstance above and beyond the performance. Mm -hmm. 
So that's what you want to be focused on is, again, serve the work. Like we always say, serve the, the story, serve the work, serve your, repu- your reputation. You know, so come professional, do the best you can, and then leave with your head held high. Now, I want to take 60 seconds to flip and tell the other side of the spectrum. I want to see him do this flip. Okay, go Here ahead. Go. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I'll miss by that much. I was doing a public library uh, reading of one of the Mallory and Gunner books and um, Cassine Gaines happened to be there. And I did the reading. I chose rather than a chase scene or a shoot 'em up scene. This was a very quiet scene between uh, Mallory, one of the leads and his father, who was in literally his last hours of a battle with cancer. But by the way, I'm sorry, just to interrupt your story, but just to set up a little bit, Mallory and Gunner, two police detectives in the series that Chris does, and they handle the most extraordinary and somewhat bizarre pseudo supernatural kind of yes. storylines and cases, the very bizarre ones. So they're used to extreme circumstances, dangerous situations, things like that. And now here is one of those detectives. Go ahead, yeah. Chris. And, and he had he was in. Uh, middle of a case the case was heating up but he made the choice you know he had to be there for his father you know it's uh every hero's journey has the death of the hero this was kind of a variation on that so um long story short the father uh he takes off his oxygen mask and all sorts of bells and whistles goes off um the nurse comes in and they try to stabilize the father and, and Mallory is upset because he can't use his detective skills to solve this. You know, this is beyond him. This is the other side of supernatural mysteries. Like what, what does this end of life thing mean? Um, so the nurse finally gets him, the father as stabilized as possible. And he says to Mallory, I want, I need you to watch this one monitor. And it should be, the number should go up to 80. And that's when your father will be safe and then stabilized. So he's watching it. And the narrative goes, follows the numbers as they switch. You know, it's 55, 55, 60, 52, 65, 65, 68. Yeah, let's go to 80, right? Yeah, yeah, let's go to 80. 65, and the reading ends with uh, this powerful detective staring. His whole world is shrunk down to just that number, and it's not where his father was safe. Mm-hmm. End of reading. And there's silence. And then this a nice sized audience, mostly seniors, burst into an enthusiastic uh, applause that kind of sh- shocked me. I did not, you know. And, um, and then they went over and started buying the book. God bless them. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, my wife was the, the book sales lady, so that was wonderful. Um, but Cassine Gaines came up to me and says, you know, 
you had them in the palm of your hand. They were, they were hanging on every word you were writing, you were reading. And I, I'm completely missed that. That's the level I think of commitment you have to have to what you're reading. That you read it. Uh, one of the things I do in, in workshops or in classes when I'm talking about writing, uh, uh, either proofreading or reading in front of a crowd, read it as if you're getting paid thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You know, so you give it your all because you know. And if thirty thousand isn't high enough for you, a hundred thousand, whatever works <laughs> for you. Yeah. But you know, and then you give that reading its all and practice it beforehand. And I had done that in this one case. And it was extremely effective. And I got to witness the results of that level of commitment. So we share that for you. Yeah. Uh, so every once in a while, the audience will be with you. That's, yeah. wow. Now, now I, I will, I will share one of, one of mine um, and, and the, the impetus that brought it about. Uh, I had written a Sherlock Holmes play and the lead character in it was based on an, on a real life character from that era, which was a, a black actor from America named Ira Aldridge, who had gone to Europe and become this continental success and had lived and died there and had, you know, had a family and his offsprings had grown up. And I based the story around some things that really happened to that family. Mm-hmm. And the play, the Sherlock Holmes play went up uh, here in New York, uh, off, off Broadway and had a nice run. And we got some you know, really good reviews and all that kind of stuff. And the Sherlockian, uh, there's a number of Sherlockian, you know, groups, fan groups, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and I was invited to come and speak at one of their gatherings. And I'm thinking, you know, I, yeah, I could go there and I, I could I could read from the play because they'd asked me to do some sort of reading and I could read from the play and everything. But they've, many of them have seen the play. I, I'm going to be talking about the play. But, you know, I really wanted to talk about the creative process, how much Holmes meant to me, but also how I had taken someone from real life who had some importance in my life and and turned it into a, or added it to a fictional piece. I wanted to show that in, in that process to them in a, in a more um, uh, con- a, a more uh, dynamic way and way that was also tied into another aspect of my life. And so, and I hope that's somewhat clear. So, what I, I've been doing a lot of work with young people at that time, with children and uh, theater arts groups, with teens and things like that. And I remember. Because, yeah, because kid, yeah, well, you would, yeah, we met there. And, and a lot of the things that I was doing revolved around the arts and kids and young people. And so something clicked in my head with the Baker Street Irregulars, Sherlock Holmes, young people, the kind of things that I knew the kids were going through. And I decided to write a short piece to read at this event. Hmm. And when you, when you read, again, as we said in the beginning, when you read, you want to get you want to get into the moment. You want to get into the scene. You want to connect with the characters because you are, for that period of time, portraying those moments to your audience. You are taking them there through your words and through your voice and your presentation. So in writing this, I wanted to write something that had some dramatic content to it. And because, again, of how I feel about kids, and I know poor kids in particular and all this, and the Baker Street Irregulars were all slum kids, poor kids. I wrote this scene involving Wiggins and the death of one of the Baker Street Irregulars and Wiggins feeling responsible for that. And 
he wants Mr. Holmes to investigate the death. He wants, he, but he has to go to him and ask. Mm-hmm. And the way I wrote the scene, you know, it's hard for him to express it. Holmes didn't know about it at first. And as he's talking to Holmes, he reveals his the fact that he feels responsible for it. And he says, you know, I, ne- I never ask you for anything, Mr. Holmes, but I've got to ask you. For and so I'm reading this piece. And as I'm reading it, I am going into what does this character Wiggins feel like? Yes, he's a young boy, but I was a young kid once myself. I remember what it feels like to try and talk to an adult, to talk to somebody, yeah, way, way back. Thank you very much. To try and talk to an adult that you respect or you're impressed by or or you feel insignificant in front of. And when you've done something bad that you're ashamed of, you know, I remember those things. And so part of that is what I'm calling on as I'm reading this portion of this of this this moment. Now remember, I just written this scene right. for the reading. So I finished the reading, leaving it, you know, just as, as Holmes is about to respond to everything he's heard. And there is that silence that you mentioned. Yeah. And That's then there's this this round of applause. It's you know, no standing ovation, but the round of applause. And I remember thinking, you know, I just sort of let this gush of air come out of me because that's how deep into it I had gone. And they said to me, can you read a little bit more of the story? And I said, that's all I've written. (laughs) They they said, what? I said, yeah, I just wrote this as a demonstration of, no, you got to write the rest of the story. And get back in here. Yeah, so that that eventually led to me writing the Raven League story that I did uh, sometime later. But again, you you want to give the work the best possible representation in front mm-hmm. of the people that you're reading for. If you're reading for an audience, yes, you want to entertain, but you want to engage. You, right. you want them so- to feel what you put into that story when they hear it. And if you're reading for a class, well, you still want to convey the core, the the emotional core and the information within that scene so that they get it. So if they're going to give you any feedback, it's based on legitimate, engaged connection with the material that you've just shared. All right. So this let's move into the how to give a public reading part of Tell a Damn Story. Um, Break out the the diagram. We'll do uh, well. Why don't I do this? Why don't I ask you uh, some questions, kind of touching on best practices? Occasionally, I can add something in, but let's let's go that. All right. So, um, Mr. Simmons. Oh, oh, hi there, Mr. Ryan. Yes, as a uh, uh, veteran public reader. Nope, no jokes. Nope. <laughs> yeah, Not thank joking. you. Yeah. Not yeah. Nothing about um, reading cave paintings, huh? No, no, none of that. Dead Sea Scroll. You're not going to go for that either. <laughs> yeah. Simmons read to Washington here. Yeah, That's right. What I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you were just talking a, a minute or two ago about uh, getting the information of the scene. So um, there's also there's information, but then there's the uh, emotion of the scene and even subtext of the scene. So for emerging uh, writers who are going to do their first or second public reading, uh, 
what preparation would you suggest for them uh, in preparing to read their piece? Um, first of all, how do you, we're going to talk about how you choose a piece. See, I knew he was going to do that. That's why I didn't say anything. Right, because it's it's because that was my first response was well first you got to choose the piece right, right? okay all right so let's talk about yeah. that because you know you have to know the time slot right so for example might as well tell everybody uh, I was invited to uh, read on uh, an upcoming episode of Galactic Terrors that's the YouTube uh, horror um, readings show that. Uh, uh, Carol, uh, Guy Zander, and James Chambers co-host. And they um, are? They are also the co-chairs of the New York chapter of the Hara Writers Association. There you go. So we had them on, and I guess, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they'll get you, <laughs> now, yeah. Now, right, now Jer, Jer, you get over here and do some work. Yeah. Um, so, okay, In for, for example, that's a 10-minute slot. So, if you were given this opportunity, right? If this was uh, your upcoming gig, you got a 10 minute slot. What's your do's and don'ts as far as selecting something to read? Well, I mean, first, and you had said this uh, earlier, uh, you chose not to read a chase scene or a fight scene. You chose that particular dramatic emotional scene because that revealed uh, something very, very deep and strong about one of the characters, one of the right. characters. So I think for me, one of the first things you have to do is choose the best possible representational piece of your story. Don't automatically go, for, oh, I got to make sure it's an exciting, you know, gunfight or, or knife sting or what, or action sequence. You want to choose a scene that represents uh, the story well the, and reveals something about the characters, but is also uh, almost like a cliffhanger or mm -hmm. something that leaves people going, ooh, what else? What else? Right. So you want to leave, you don't want to, you don't want a beginning, middle, and an end so they can go, oh, well, that was nice. You want to leave them going, ooh, I, can I, can, can I hear more? Or where can I get the book? Or if it, if it is that you've been asked to read a short story from a collection, mm -hmm. then still you want them to understand that this represents the power of some of the other pieces in this collection. So you still want exactly. them, you still want them to want more. So you want to choose a scene that's compelling and engaging and enlightening in terms of the characters, but leaves them wanting more. Right. Uh, I would add more. to I would add to that uh, if you have a ten minute slot, time yourself. You mm -hmm. know, you don't want to have something that is fifteen minutes. But I think neither do you want exactly ten minutes. You want a little less. So it has a little room to breathe and you can say hello and you can say, you know, thank you. Or, and, you know, so there's a little something there. Well, if that's packed wall to wall. It's it, it, there's a different kind of tension. That goes to uh, because, you know, your first question was how to. And so you're right. You want to pick something that's going to fit within the time slot that you have and fit comfortably, right. uh, which is what you're pointing out. But what you also want to make sure and another reason for making sure it's a little shorter than exactly 10 minutes is for um, pauses, mm -hmm. for dramatic pauses, to give yourself uh, enough time to portray the material. Because realistically, 
you are not just reading the words on the page so that right. everybody no that's not what you're doing you are reading with some sense of storytelling right some sense of emotional flavor you're going to get excited in certain spots and calm down in others depending on the piece so you want to have some some playroom so that you can take that dramatic pause a moment here a moment there and still finish within the time slot that you're working right. with that's you know that's a great point because um first time public readers may get a 15 minute piece and say all right i'll just you know i'll just pick up the pace that's that's not doing a public reading you know uh it has to be there has to be performance aspects to it that doesn't mean you have to be an actor that means that you have to commit to the piece right mm-hmm. um Way back, way back, when, uh, that when none of this was here and all of this was here. He's talking <laughs> and, about no and beard darker. and he had hair on his head right. and he and it was dark um, hair, right? Okay, I, there you go. For I those of you who are only at, listening to this. I studied at the uh, Southampton Writers Conference one summer and uh, heavyweight act, uh, writers were there, you know, Billy Collins former poet laureate for the country, uh, Frank McCourt, who wrote Angela's Ashes, uh, God Rest His Soul, great, great, watch yourself there, boy. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, you great, said great it. Great guy, I, yeah. great guy, yeah. uh, a teacher for like 30 some odd years, and then uh, exploded on the writing scene. Um, oh my God, there were so many great writers there. Uh, Joyce Carol Oates came by, a bunch of people. So, the students were going to do a reading and I was at the rehearsal and uh, God bless them. Everybody was, you know, okay. But I went up to Billy Collins and McCourt was there too. And uh, I said, excuse me, uh, Mr. Collins, might I make a suggestion? It might be really useful and beneficial for you and anyone else who's going to be listening to the reading. If, maybe a few of you do a demonstration on how to do a reading. He says, well, why do you say that? And I said, cause I was at the rehearsal last night. <laughs> <laughs> so um, God bless them. They said, are oh, you do the flyer and get the flyer to everybody and we'll do it. Here's when we'll do it. No, and no the, good deed again goes unpunished. Yes. <laughs> you got to do the flyer. Yeah, right? no good deed yeah. goes unpunished brother. Yeah. So yeah, long story short, we got it all out and got a, a bunch of the readers showed up. And Billy Collins did little simple things like, okay, when you're up there, you're introduced, so you don't have to tell people your name. But introduce the title. You know, Poetry 101. Then pause. Then begin. And he talked about, for the poetry, he used a medium tempo very relaxed and let the power of the words say what they could do so you know less was more for him mm-hmm. i've seen other people well till james glenn was here he was they were on a teledam story he was on teledam story the reason i say they is because when till james glenn does a uh, um, reading as an actor of so many different roles he inhabits that each of the characters with a slightly different voice and all that stuff. If you have that training, <laughs> go for it. But if you don't, beware. 
<laughs> that can fall on its face, right? Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk to you, Alex, with another question. Um, Wait a minute, you didn't finish the story. Oh, yeah, so, they did, so did, it, did it go well? It, the, the student reading was far improved because almost everybody did the Billy Collins uh, introduction of title. Pause. Read at medium speed. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So it was of help. Yes. It was of help. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could tell you another story, but I'd get in trouble with the wife. That uh, uh, but by, by okay. no fault of my own. All okay. Right, so okay. Um <laughs> but so so we've covered we've covered that A, you should pick a piece that's time appropriate, right. but gives you some breathing time so that you can actually add some performance elements to your reading. Right. that you should not necessarily just pick action scenes for the sake of, oh, I gotta be reading to people. You should pick scenes that best represent the story or that might be the most engaging, intriguing, and will leave them wanting more. Right. Okay. Now, if, that, if that happens to be an action scene, so Yeah, be that's it, fine, but, right, exactly. Right. Um, and one more, we, we, you, were, yes, you were also just pointed out, um, pacing, uh, in other words, introduce, if you haven't been introduced to the crowd, you can say, my name is so-and-so, but if you've already been introduced by an, you know, a host or whatever, then you can say the, the name of the piece, or this is an excerpt from such and such, right. pause, and then begin the piece. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me break that part down. I have a question for you about that last thing. You okay. Said. You said, well, break if you down. have to, if you have to introduce the piece, right? Uh, that is often hazardous. Right. If uh, I've seen so many young writers go on for 10 minutes setting up the piece. Right. Can you give some guidance or a rule of thumb on how much setup we should limit ourselves to? Well, you know, again, circumstances vary. Um, but let's stay with the short presentation scenario. You're only going to have 10 minutes or maybe 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to spend 12 minutes talking about the kind of story that you're taking this piece from right. you don't want to do that. all of your time at the right, uh, right. Uh, yeah at yeah. the mic is part of that 10 minutes that's all right so yeah. what you want to do is you want to have a one sentence maybe two but think of it one sentence that introduces the overview or the over the, the basic concept of the story um <clears throat> blackjack is an adventure tale about an african-american soldier of fortune in the 1930s and this is an excerpt from Blood and Honor, the second story, um, and I hope you'll enjoy it. You okay, <clears throat> that's right. it. You do a basic On, uh... setup, and then into it because the 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 bulk of the presentation, the meat of your presentation, is the piece that you're going to read, right. not you explaining the overall concept of the book, the story, right. the play, the film script, whatever it is. Um, on uh, uh, when I appear on Galactic Terrace, which is uh, coming up January thirteenth, yes. um, eight o'clock in the evening, folks. Eight o'clock, yes, standard, and God. it's on YouTube. Just look up Galactic Terrace, and right. you'll be able to subscribe or whatever. It'll be fun. Hopefully, you like it. But um, my introduction is going to be something like uh, this. First piece was published uh, shotgunhoney.com, and um, my my experiment was, what if the heroine was horrifying? And this is vengeance come my way. 
something like that. There you go. And that's it, you know, and, and um, I wanted to make sure he approves. Uh, I wanted to make sure that um, because it, it is crime oriented, but I, I, my style is to write very grounded stories with, to force you to see the horror of things or to lead you to see the horror. Well, well horror so, is not just supernatural. Right, exactly. That's, that's the reality of that. Right. Uh, also, um, you will notice, and I, I point this out for, for the sake of the audience, Chris, <clears throat> that as Chris was setting this up just a few moments ago, you could hear him thinking about what it was he was going to say or how he was going to phrase right. his opening. That's the, not how he's going to do it that no, night no. because he yeah. will have, he will have done the homework that he mentioned earlier right. where he Which, will have chosen exactly what he's going to say right. and rehearsed that. Yes. So that this on, is, right. So on that, this is night, where we get to part two. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on that night, he will then say it, you know, smooth, quick That's and right. into the reading. So anyway, the go goal, ahead. ladies and gentlemen, is when you actually do the preparation, oh, you do the reading, that you are as smooth as Alex Simmons. That is the goal. <laughs> that is the gold standard. <laughs> oh, geez, help me. Okay, so preparation. So preparation. Uh, How do we get to that gold standard, Alex Simmons? Oh, we go to this drugstore and we get prep. No, anyway. Uh, I'm sorry, that's an old folks joke. Um, oh and, and who better to say it, right? Okay. So um, again, as I said in the very beginning, we're going to choose a piece that's appropriate to the time. We're going to choose a piece that best represents the characters and story. You know, it could be action. It could be dramatic. It could be something soft and gentle. It depends on the kind of piece that you're, you know, the kind of story that you've written. Uh, and, and you want to get the best possible representation of that. You want to leave the audience, once they've heard this, you want to leave them wanting more. So you've, you've, you've made those decisions. You have this piece in your hand. And now you're going to read it. Now, first thing is, this is a funny thing to say. Yeah, you wrote the piece. So theoretically, you should know the piece because you wrote it. Yeah. Mm, no, you're going to read the piece as if you've never seen it before. Because what you have to do is find those nuances again. Right. Right. You want to find what makes that scene work, what that scene is saying to you. Now, again, this may sound like acting uh, instructions, but in a way it is because Chris used the word before performance. You are right. performing this piece. Mm -hmm. So you want to find the heart of this piece. So you're going to read it several times. And as you're reading it, you're not reading it to memorize it. You're not reading it so that your pronunciation is absolutely correct. Not initially. Initially, you're reading it to find the heart of this moment. So at this yes. moment, the dramatic elements or the comedic elements or the tender moments, whatever it is, you find it, you hear it, you see it, and you start to get used to, to bringing those elements forward in your reading. Now, as you rehearse, which is like, you know, rewrites, you know, the work is in the rewrites when you're writing, it's in the work, you know, it's in the, the rehearsals when you're practicing. As you are going through it, you want to not only get a smoother read, but any words that give you trouble pronouncing, practice more. Right. You don't want to be tripping up the pronunciations or tripping over words that could possibly break the flow while you're reading it. 
Okay, you don't want to pull people out of the moment because you're trying to, you know, pronounce anti-disestablishmentarianism. You know, right, which is you know, if you put that in a story, yeah, hmm. yeah, there's something um, wrong with you, right? <laughs> you know? But we can point out um, your theater background, my little bit of acting background, but also my little bit of musical background. If we're practicing, if we're at rehearsal, and there's a problematic part, we don't start the whole play over we Hmm. work on that sentence Mm -hmm. we work on that exchange and that is an acceptable part of uh, presentation Mm -hmm. or preparation excuse me um like when i said angela's ashes before but it came out angela's asses which is you know maybe it's the porn version of that i don't know (laughs) because i'm angelic um but but in practice if that was part of the reading yes i would I would say that over and over until that problem was no longer there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, you again want to give yourself the opportunity to succeed. And the best way to succeed is to prepare. So reading out loud as if you were reading at a paid gig that was, you know, higher than your yearly salary. <laughs> right. That's how you should practice. That's I believe that's how you should proofread as well. Um, all right, Alex, let's talk about first uh, characters in the scene. Do you give them character voices or do you just slightly change intonation? How do you make it clear that different people are talking? My My practice on that or I should say what I tend to share with my students is that unless you are trained to do that sort of thing, that you are familiar with and comfortable doing that, really, really, not like, yeah, I kind of goof around with it. No, you really can do that. And, you know, a little bit of rehearsal only sharpens it for you. Unless that's the case, stay away from doing, you know, accents and things like that. It cheapens the moment, especially if you can't do them well. Right. You do a bad Spanish accent, Irish accent, whatever. It 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 just makes it a, a joke immediately. I should know there. That is my bread and butter. Bad yeah, accents. Yeah, I'm the, your man. Oh, okay, there you go. So, <laughs> so I never rea- do that in the readings. I would never. Right. Anyway, so what you want to do is you want to go for the emotional connection or maybe the rhythm of the character speaking uh, pattern. So, for instance. If you're, you have a dialogue between, say, and I'm, I'm just going to make this up now, you have a dialogue between a teenager and an 80 or 90 year old man or woman, right? Maybe, maybe the man or woman, the elder person speaks slower, has to think more about their words, or maybe speaks more quietly when they speak. Uh, or maybe the man has been drinking for decades and so he's got a rasp in his voice, you know? So you can do that sort of thing. You can play with that, but not an accent. You know, you just want to, again, change the pace. If the teenager is, is excitable and, and talks like this, right, then you can speak, speak with a little bit more energy. When it gets to the older person, slow it down so that you get that contrast, all right? But really, again, in reading it several times and in rehearsing your reading, find the characterization, find the nuances of the character some little thing that you can focus on that when you read that person's lines, 
people can go, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, I'm there. I I get the difference, you know. And less less is more. Absolutely, less is more. All right. So, um, how often do you read your story out loud before a gig? I'm I'm going to for for me um I or, do or it, uh, suggesting to Yeah, uh, then I would say you do it you do it um I mean obviously don't do it to death because you right. can over rehearse something. But I think you need to do it to a point of where you can get reasonably comfortable with it. Because yeah. again, especially if you're not used to reading in public mm-hmm. and reading to be, you're going to be nervous when you go right. go to do it. Period. That's that's it, you know. So you want to yeah, right. So somewhere in your head, you want to have it. Yeah, I've done this six times. <clears throat> I've done this eight times. I've done this 10 times. So I know I can, I've done this. I can, I can do this. Right. I'm nervous and everything. Yeah, but but I, I know the material. I've done my homework. You want to have that little voice somewhere in your head, because mainly what you're going to be hearing as you're getting ready to speak, especially if it's like a, a reading at a theater or a store <clears throat> or an auditorium or whatever, you're going to be hearing in your head, oh my God, what am I doing? I can't, oh you know, so you want to be able to quiet that voice with, hey, 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 remember the 17 times you did this? Remember the eight times you did this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Right. And then introduce, title, pause, start. And it'll be over before you know it. Also, the, those readings out loud in preparation, those rehearsals, inevitably, you hear the rhythm of the story. Mm-hmm. And like, playing a song or performing a a scene you know a lot of the rhythm of those moments carries you through so if you are nervous you might you know think i'm going to be speeding up but if you've practiced it out loud you'll find the pattern again and that will help keep you on pace and and let me also jump back to um uh, an experience that writers have doing the writing that may help you as the reader of a particular piece. And, you know, Chris and I have talked about this a lot and we'll talk about it a lot more <laughs> over the coming, whatever <laughs> episode. Millennium. But Millennium. Get to know your characters because yes. your characters will speak for you. Right. They will. If you got to know them when you were writing it, you'll recall them. It'll be like visiting old friends when you are practicing and rehearsing for the reading. And then the moment you step into the reading, you give yourself that beat pause before you start. The moment you start reading, the characters are going to just step up. Right. Okay, here we are. Right. And And you got to trust that. And the more you know the story, the more you know where these characters are coming from. Mm -hmm. So that'll inform inflection. You know, one may be more startled while the other you know, has been the catalyst of all that has gone on in the story and comes from a different angle. And the and, more and, you know that stuff, the more it'll send, you'll hear those subtle differences. Right. And let me also say that, again, and I'm just being redundant, but I want you to understand, yeah, not not everyone's going to have to read in front of the public. That's, that's true. Um, you may choose not to, you know, even if you're asked. But reading to yourself, reading out mm-hmm. loud to yourself, getting into it and really hearing the words helps you with dialogue yes if the dialogue doesn't sound right and when you read it out loud you're going to go back and go okay what why didn't that sound right right what, what do i need to shift so reading out loud is 
is good for you one way or the other. But the other thing I wanted to say in terms of reading in public is while you're reading, while you're doing this, while you're making this presentation, presenting your work, do not study your audience. Okay, you're not, you're not playing to the audience, i.e. you've got to get eye contact with them. You've got to get feedback from them. You are presenting this world. You are in that world and you're presenting this world to them. Be in that world for that time period. Right. You can check out the audience before if you wish, for some strange reason, but certainly you can make eye contact with everybody afterwards. Right, that's but, what the Q&As yeah. are for. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. When you step out of it, the performance, and now you're the writer sitting there ready to receive the feedback. Right. That's, that's when you can you know, connect with them. And this brings us to, you know, what a great transition there, Mr. Simmons. Yeah, thank but you very brings, much. Thank you. brings us to our last section on this. Um, you know, the similarities and differences between reading live in public and reading on Zoom. You know, mm -hmm. Galactic Terrors is um, on January 13th, 8 o'clock. Um, <laughs> Eastern it, Standard Time. Yes. Be there. On Aloha. YouTube. So it is going to be, I'm going to be somewhere in this room reading this. Um, so I have to be aware of the background. Now, 8 o'clock, I won't have to worry about right now. We have a sunlight big, behind huge part of uh, cardboard blocking out most of the sunlight. But at nighttime, I'll have less of a worry about that. But what would you say about, are there differences? Are there similarities? Are there rules of thumbs for reading live in front of people and reading through a, a media like this? Yeah. I, I, the only way I can answer that, understanding that you know people's circumstances are different is I'll put it this way. One, um, you are gonna be on camera. And, and that means that instead of the audience being able to sit in chairs in a room and look at any part of you, your head, your, your toes or whatever, but they can see you from whatever angle, wherever they're sitting, they are locked in on your face. Right. All right. So ultimately, as I said, no, you're not, your job is not to make contact, eye contact with them while you're reading, you're into the story, right? But you want to make sure that they can see your face. So you should be reasonably well lit, right? And facing the camera if possible. Now, I know some people have like a separate camera. It's not, they're not necessarily using the one that's in their computer. Yeah, they have a mean. camera off to the left or the right or whatever. So if the camera is off to your left and you're looking at your, your computer screen, they're getting a three-quarter shot of you or they're getting a profile shot of you. That's not what you want. You want to be facing the camera. So that the audience has the sense that you are talking to them, that you are reading to them, that this story is for them and they can see you. And that therefore, as you're reading this, whatever emotions you're conveying, they will see it on your face. They will hear it in your voice, right. you know, to whatever degree you can do that, but you want to present it to your audience. So like right now I'm facing my light, but my camera is here. This is, this is not, you know, this is good if you're going to have a two camera shot. So you'll get some front shots and then you'll get some profile shots. This is what you want. This is what you want as much as possible. Right. And um, let's talk about when you're reading. Should you make an extra effort to raise your eyes into the camera? Is, is that something that's necessary for a reading? 
or can you just focus on uh, the words on the page? I tend to feel that if you can at intervals, yes, you should. Okay. Good. Okay. I yeah. think it, it makes you see, it's, it's less like, um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be sacrilegious here, but it's less like either you're in church, you know, reading the, the sermon mm -hmm. for the day, or you're in school reading your book report of what I did this weekend, right? You want to do blah, 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 blah. And then she's such and such and such and such, you know, right, right. you know, just raise every now and then to say I'm real, you know, right. here we are. So um, when we're reading, a lot of people read off their phone or off a tablet. I have pages and I'm very aware of the crinkle as you turn from one page to mm -hmm. another. Um, so I, I gave it a lot of thought and how can I, can I do this kind of, but I just, when it came down to it, I felt more comfortable with the pages. Mm -hmm. So you have to make that decision too. What do what can you work with? Of course, a, a tablet, well-charged, right? And not <laughs> on a hundred percent brightness. So it changes the lighting of your face. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. That might be an easier one because you're just scrolling and all that stuff. But, you know, you also, if you tap it the wrong way, something can happen. And, you know, uh, you know, again, the it, tools, you have, you have to figure out what's comfortable for you. Yeah, exactly. The tools. The, the tools that we have now, you have options that we didn't have back in the days when I was reading cave paintings, you know, so again, yeah. it, and there was not very much light in the cave. So it was very difficult, really challenging. Uh, but, you know, as Chris says, you gotta, you gotta go at what, what serves you best. What I will say about that is the difference between reading from a tablet or a cell phone versus a page is your eyesight. If you've got 2020, you know, eyesight and you can see the tiny print very well off your cell phone, oh, more power to you. But if you are struggling in any way, shape, or form with your eyesight, the, the larger the copy, the less you gotta concentrate on making sure you can see the words you're more at ease as you're reading. So uh, contemplate, contemplate what makes you the most comfortable physically, right? As well as you know, emotionally, mentally, whatever. There's also a couple of things. Let's say we're going to do it on the page, but okay, let's those say we're of you who do are it on the page. That's a moment uh, Those of you, I mean, who are more tablet oriented or, or phone oriented what you're going to make your own adjustments but most of our writing is 12 point for a reading there's nothing wrong with making it 14 point or 15 mm -hmm. point so it's easier to read also you can underline a word you want to stress or put in a sign to i want to pause here you can mm -hmm. do all that and the audience a little backslash but you yeah but but you can see it to help you. Um, you know, these are all tricks of the trade. Besides preparing, you know, uh, choosing one that you'll have a little room with, uh, preparing by reading out loud as if you were getting paid a ton of money, uh, getting yourself very familiar, but not feeling necessary, uh, a necessity I'm a, I'm to a, memorize. A, yeah. You don't want to memorize. Um, and then printing it out or putting it on your tablet at a size that'll be very comfortable to you. If you use the tablet, make sure you 
it's all cha- charged up and all that. Uh, all of that will make it easier for you to uh, have a successful reading. And uh, hopefully I follow my own advice here or your advice and have a successful reading on January 13th. Oh, of course you will. And you know, Galactic Terrace. I just, I just had a, a, a fun thought. And so I'm going to just throw it out there, Chris, and hopefully you'll back me up. Um, if I'm sure some of you are going to find this useful. I'm not even going to say I hope. Of course you are. Some of you are going to find this very useful. And to make it even more useful for you, um, we're going to put a little link in there to a download. Uh, a 10, 10 points, 10, 10 items that you can do that'll help you uh, or make it easier for you to do public readings or to do readings of your work. You know, we'll pick the top 10 that we think of and we'll put together a one sheet and there'll be a link and you can click on that link and, and it'll be a download that you can get your hands on. So I just thought we'll do that because we're nice guys. This is true. Yeah, see, he didn't argue with me on that one because we are, we're nice guys. So um, check check somewhere where wherever you're you're listening Over to there. this, right? Over check there. for the link and and follow through, and you'll get that that uh, that guide. That, that well, link. hopefully that helps. And uh, yeah, there are a lot of even even in our you know forty eighth iteration of COVID or whatever, where we have to stay out of the public yet again. Yeah. Still, I got my know, booster Zoom shot. And, there you go. Zoom and, and Skype and all those others uh, allow us still to get our work out there mm-hmm. and to to step up and tell our damn story. So go ahead and do it. Yep, you got it. You heard it from him first or second, maybe possibly third, third. maybe 218th, because that's what this episode is. But yep. either way, thank you for uh, joining us this uh, afternoon, evening, thank middle you. of the night, whenever it is that you're listening to this. Be with us next week for another thrilling episode of Tell the Damn Story. Chris, as always, a pleasure. Always a pleasure, sir. Okay, Honor to be in your presence. Oh, shucks. (laughs) Go out there, folks, and read and write. Read and write and write and read. Adios. Peace.